Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Ivan, CTO at Quarter, Joanna, CTO at Intrello, Christopher, CTO at Group Surbridge, and Andreas, CTO at MaxSmart. We're here to discuss the passions of a CTO leadership edition. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So pretty excited. So before we actually begin, let's do a round of introductions. Ivan, do you mind kicking us off, please? Yeah, sure. Um, hey, everyone. So, yeah, my name is Iman. I uh, work as a CTO at Quarter. Background is, well, engineering background. Uh, started, well, way back in high school. Uh, yeah, moved uh, to Sweden almost nine years ago. Uh, started developing in one startup and then became uh, there a CTO as well, but then moved back to development, went to Spotify and to Klarna, back to Spotify back to Klarna and then to Think and then now in, uh, as I mentioned, CTO at, at Quarter. Uh, yeah, originally coming from Croatia and uh, I guess that would be briefly about me. Yes. Well, thank you very much. Let's move on to the next person, Christopher. Yeah. Uh, hey, Christopher Elman. Uh, in short, in really short, I'm uh, just a happy technologist from Solna, Sweden. And a tad longer is that I'm a lost environmental engineer in essence, who has become a, a neuroscientist enthusiast in essence. Uh, background in all kinds of markets and companies, uh, global with 300,000 employees, as well as two-man startups. Always working in tech, but it's been traditional tech as well as engineering. Uh, but engineering is really where I leaned my, my head into for the past uh, five years. And that's where I'm currently at Coop. Before that, I spent a couple of years with Parna, and before that, on a array of different companies. Um, I mean, basically about me uh, as well as a person. Uh, I'm, I guess, I'm, I'm really good at connecting the dots between overall company strategy down to individual contributor stuff. So that's where I like to see my my sort of main purpose being. But yeah, that's me. Thank you very much, Christopher and Jonah. Yeah. Uh, my name is Johanna and I'm working as a CTO at Instagram, uh, which I've done for a year uh, in March, at least. And, and Instagram, if you don't know, like their mission is to help people to get fair compensation uh, within uh, insurance, insure tech. Uh, and, and there I am responsible for tech and analytics. Uh, and before that, I previously worked at Avanza for seven years, which um, like I've been head of development and working with their growth journey. So when I came to us, we had six development teams. And when I left, we were 28 cross-functional teams. So that was uh, a nice journey. And I always been within tech background as a Java developer, uh, been at H&M for six years and a consultant and stuff like that. Uh, and more privately, I live with my two children, 12 and 15 years old, uh, my husband and a cat and two bunnies. 
and I have a passion for building teams, helping people to grow, like creating products with great customer value, uh, everything within tech. Awesome. I love the way you had to put the cat and the couple of bunnies in there as well. <laughs> Andreas, last but not least, of course, yourself. Yes. Uh, thanks for inviting me to this podcast, Chris. Uh, so my name is Andreas. Um, I'm born and raised in Uppsala, and now I live with uh, my family in uh, Solentuna. Um, and um, yeah, I, I started my career as a, a developer at a company called Brummen & Partners. Uh, it was uh, August 2000, so uh, yeah, quite a few years ago. Um, and that uh, Brummen & Partners is um, Europe's leading uh, hedge fund managers. I worked there for about 12 years, quite a long time. I had the opportunity to test many different roles. And uh, quite early in my career, I, I realized that I am not the best engineer in the room. So, uh, but I was quite good in understanding how the business worked and uh, translate that to engineering needs. So connecting the dots basically. Um, and um, I wanted to create as much impact as I could. So uh, I searched for leadership roles, so to say. I became the, at, at Broomer, I became the, the head of the system engineering department, and I really liked that role. Uh, and um, yeah, but for, for different reasons, I, uh, I left Broomer. I started working as my own consultant. I, I did some consulting work within e-commerce companies like uh, Skruva.se. I ended up working for a company called Proffsmagasinet, uh, which is a Sweden's uh, leading e-commerce uh, company in tools, laser and measurement instruments. Uh, and I had a really good time, a, f- a few fantastic years uh, building Proffsmagasinet from 40 million in revenue to yeah, 400 or something like that. Um, yeah, and just recently, um, I ended up working for Mothsmart as a CTO and uh, been here for about four and a half years. Uh, and I'm heading the product engineering, design, data, and IT function at Mothsmart. Uh, and I guess my, we'll probably come into that uh, later, but I really uh, enjoy uh, leading and managing uh, and growing tech team, basically, or tech teams. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Andreas. Right. Let's get down to business. We all understand who each other are. We know our backgrounds. We all have one thing in common. We're all CTOs of different size organizations. Majority of which are startup scale-ups and continuously growing. So what we're going to talk about today is the passions of you. What's your passions? It's about leadership. And I've reached out to you and you all came back to me with different questions that you like to pose and like to discuss. Now, Joanna, we'll start with your question first. You came to me and I said, what three leadership responsibilities do you think are most important as a CTO and which ones are the most challenging for you? Very great question because it personalizes everyone. Do you mind just explaining a little bit more for us? Yeah, but I'm curious because I think it's a big difference depending on the size of the company and what other leadership roles there is like uh, within product and tech and uh, design and so on. So that's why I wanted to ask the question. I'm curious, like, how does it look for you? And what do you think is like the three, three maybe it's hard to say the most important, but some of the most important things that you think, uh, like the responsibilities within your roles? Yeah, uh, I can kick off. Uh, thank you for the question. Mm-hmm. It was a really good one. I think 
for me, universe, uh, I, I can't sort of divide it into three clear responsibilities as such, but for me, it's really about how I set frameworks for whatever challenge it might be, right? If, if, if it's a vision, it's creating something out there, but with a clear playing field for everyone to move within and then creating sort of the hurdles for them to, if they go out of that, how do I then get back into it, et cetera. So clear, creating sort of a non-friction movement within that, within the vision field. And same thing goes for other areas as well, right? Um, how we develop people, how should that look? I mean, if we look at engineering at core, it's about data and data-driven. So how do we evaluate people? I've been involved with work with HR at some companies due to the fact that I'm always looking at data so I can get the bias sort of away from me and instead look at data when we evaluate people and skill. So it's uh, for me, it's sort of a broader answer, but, it, but it's really about being good at setting those frameworks for me. Justin. Yeah, I can um, ship in uh, a few of my uh, three uh, top leadership uh, priorities, but but of course it's super hard to, to just find uh, find three. But if I would have to choose, I would say that it's to to manage, grow, and lead a team of engineers, uh, and in my case also product data design and IT, and to ensure that they have the resources and support they need uh, to to be successful. It's uh, to set the technological direction and strategy for uh, for MathSmart and to ensure that our technology uh, aligns with the overall objectives uh, of the organization and also to communicate this strategy to different stakeholders within the company and external stakeholders and to, to so to say, to stay current with industry trends and developments and to identify new opportunities for MassMart to leverage technology to build products that delight our customers in a way that improves MassMart's competitive position and is also good for, for our margins. Um, so that's, that's three of them. And for me, the most challenging is around communication and, uh, uh, I can give you some background to to that, but Modsmart. When I started Modsmart, we had it was one full-time employee in the tech team and two part-time consultants. So, and at that time, uh, still had a turnover of around 300 million CX. So it was not a small company, but the tech, it was really small function, and uh, and I had to spend 95 percent of my work just shipping in and doing whatever I needed to create value, which could be any, like, of course, recruiting, building team, uh, helping out with, with the e-commerce platform, all kinds of tech support, uh, fixing the, uh, the printer, of course, you have to do everything. But on the other hand, now we are about 30 to 35 full-time, well, like 28 full-time employees and a couple of consultants. So now I have to, that journey from going from doing all the heavy lifting too. And now I have to focus a lot on communication to gain trust in, uh, from other functions. And that, that is, it's not easy. That's something I have to, that's the most challenging part for me is to go from uh, doing, yeah, being out there on the floor, helping out the team with taking decisions and doing whatever I can to help the team to, to be more working more on frameworks maybe that you said, Christopher, and to, 
to work more on, on com communication, product strategy, and to communicate that. And yeah, and to facilitate cross-functional work, basically. What is the like? What is the challenge around the communication part as you see it? No, it's 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 that it takes it takes time to do a good presentation or to reach out to stakeholders to meet with the stakeholders and to to uh, what what do you say to convince them on the direction of the tech team and the product teams and to it's just you have to you have to spend a lot of time preparing powerpoints and. You have to spend a lot of time in meetings and I have not been able to prioritize that. I'm, I, mm. I rather, I, I rather sit next to the data team and help them solve some domain, com complicated domain problems or help the team thinks about uh, how we should do reservations. So it's more, you, I, I've been very hands-on in the beginning and I still sometimes I'm a little bit too much hands-on. So it's more, it's more to take the time. It's not so much about actually doing it yet. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. And I guess communication is like, uh, also, uh, there's a different way to communicate to the different people. So you need to change the way of communication all the time. Also one thing I could, and Ivan. Yeah. You, yeah. Um, so for me, I mean, again, yeah, it's very hard to put three, but maybe let's go with guiding and like enabling others or engineers to do their best and like to grow the second thing is technology like strategy uh making sure that we have a clear kind of like strategy that people can uh, follow and like understand why we do things uh, and how and then finally well communication uh for sure and uh, so like getting people together around like uh, big ideas and like delegating tasks and uh, follow up on progress, but also fostering the feedback culture, right? Because for us to grow, we need to understand what we are doing good and what can we improve and really being like open to <clears throat> like creating that type of environment. And the most challenging, I mean, it really depends, uh, but it's probably along the lines with what uh, we just talked about and it's around stakeholder management probably because like based on the background and experience people can have completely different expectations on different things so like sometimes it takes obviously a lot more time and energy to get everyone aligned but again nonetheless it's like from my perspective at least very important to get everyone on the same page because down the line it's going to become messy if, if we don't uh, do it initially a question, a follow-up question to that, Ivan. I mean, do you work in a product, uh, in a product organization now? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Then stakeholder management is usually a bit easier. I've, I've learned at Coop, but I mean, my God, mm. it's a challenge <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah. And for you, Christopher, did you say what the most challenging is? Yeah, no, I, I, I think I didn't, but I guess, I mean, for me, I wanted to give a broader answer because I think it's <laughs> so. So that's why I talked about the framework because it differs so much, right? When I worked with a startup and try to pivot and make the idea fly, that's one thing. And then at Coop with, with six engineering teams and, and 80 developers, I mean, what do we do there? It, it's completely different scopes, right? But, uh, but I guess at currently at Coop, it's definitely about stakeholder management, given the fact that we're a traditional waterfall organization meeting the new world and how you want to work with things and a product organization that's perhaps isn't that mature 
that want to work together with us, but they're really just product managers. So they're not really owning the products they have. So it's, it's, it's a lot of challenges in that sense, but, but yeah, so mostly organizational stakeholder management for sure. <laughs> but I guess uh, like within, when you have uh, like a product organization and more mature, as you said, yeah. then it becomes easier if you. A bit easy. I'm not saying I'm not saying hard. I didn't it's know if it's easy at all. That's not what I'm trying to claim, right? But yeah. but I'm saying it's the maturity around how you think about things is yeah. has has gotten a few steps at least. What do you find most uh, challenging, Johanna? Yeah. Yeah, and I can like uh, and what I think is the responsibilities right now, at least uh, that I think is important, is like enable like an empowered team. So that's something that I worked a lot with both at Hansa and at Israel to like make that possibilities to have an empowered team that can take the decision and have demanded it within the team. So I think that's one of the biggest responsibilities. If you get all that in place and, and with the right competence in each team, then it becomes easier. So like that's uh, one of the main things. And then also to facilitate, for me, I think it's more to facilitate and make sure that there is a forum uh, to have a technical vision and alignment like within uh, technical decisions, cross teams and so on. So um, it's more to like make that possibility to discuss that. And so it's clear for everybody, but it's not anything I would do on my own. Of course, it's together with the people um, and then ensure like that you have the right competence and enable people and teams to grow and develop. And that's right now for me, maybe I wouldn't say the biggest challenge, but something that is challenging, like how do you enable and make um, engineers even more, um, n more knowledge within security? Like uh, uh, both at the ones I'm here, like how can you develop that? So that's something I'm looking into now, like looking at like OWASP, for example, that's one way to make them more knowable, uh, to have that like in every day. So it's not something I think you take in like security team who does everything. Like you need to have your engineers to know more within security and how do you do that in the best way and fun way. So that's something I'm working with right now. Uh, but that will change, of course. Uh, that's why I'm a bit curious. You had challenge that you had right now okay very nice very nice there's a great great discussion going on there but you want to what were your thoughts and obviously you got christopher ivans and andreas's um challenges what were your thoughts on them overall uh, they sound familiar <laughs> so yeah and i think it's, it's for me i've been thinking a bit about it like what is what's the difference like head of engineering like depending if you have like a cpo you're working with is it design is it like so that's why I'm curious, like, how does it look for, and of course I've been talking to several CTOs, but uh, that's why I asked the question. So, um, and, and the answers I get from you, it sounds, uh, things I've heard before, uh, and, and interesting. So okay. thank you. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, what we'll do then we'll move on to the next person. Ivan, welcome to you next, my friend. Um, you came, came to me with a question of how do you keep innovation and high speed? but also balance with your quality as your organization grows and you start having more and more customers. It's a great question, especially growing pains and stuff like that is an extremely crucial thing when you look looking at small scale startups where it's rapidly growing. So can you just digest a little bit more and tell, tell us a bit better? Uh, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, when I asked the question, I was primarily thinking about B2B customers, but then again, we also can talk about B2C as well. Um, the main thing is like when you start, like as Chris just said, you just go for speed and innovation and uh, you try to create attraction on the market, right? But then when you start getting customers, obviously 
different SLAs come in, different security and like requirements go like it becomes a bit more difficult to just keep on pushing on the innovation side. But then on, on the other hand, you also want to stay ahead, which means that you need to keep on innovating. Um, so, and obviously, well, adding more people is rarely the answer. So uh, curious to hear your thoughts on uh, like, how do you keep uh, innovation and speed high, but still push for quality and it kind of connects to what uh, Johanna was just talking about, like with security. So, uh, curious to hear your thoughts. I think it's a very good question. And uh, I start with you. Like, I think both in smaller and in a bigger, in a larger organization that if you, if you have that, that the teams are empowered and have full responsibility for their domain without, within both like innovating and uh, the quality of it, then it's easier instead of uh, like dividing it. And then I think if the um, organization gets larger than at least my experience is uh, if you would like have more like platform teams as well, that helps out with helping the other development teams to be more efficient. So, but that won't work in, if you only have three development teams or something, uh, it's much <laughs> uh, or even less. Uh, so then you need to work with more, let the team feel the responsibility of both of it. And if you both care about the customers and the quality, then that's when I've seen the best results when you have that in, in like the same team. Yeah. I can, I can just chime in on that one because that's, uh, I mean, but first, before that, I'd like to just, I mean, my view on innovation is basically the ability to handle change, whatever, if it's the world, if it's internal, if it's whatever, like how prepared are we to handle change? If we can't handle change internally, we can't handle the external one. The world is changing faster every day. So today is the slowest day we have. Right. So, and I, I th just think it's important to share that because that's my view on innovation. Uh, not all innovation are like disruptive or market changing or means a pivot in any way. It can happen continuously, right? So with that in mind, the organization really need to be good at handling change all over. And then going into Johanna's point, uh, then how to enable that and work with that better so you can focus on on sort of quality or removing tech debt or whatever. It's really the, the autonomous to platform. Like first and foremost, make sure the team have decision power at at as long out as they can have it and then make sure you support them when they get to that point with the platform team supporting them so they can do what they do best and the platform and system engineering can do what they do best uh, again and then try to help those going back to the first point again with frameworks like how 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 do we develop products at cool w what makes the perfect package like how do we see that happening um, so that's really how I see it because then you sort of you increase onboarding time, you, you increase sort of teams can switch between each other in regards to competences. So making that clearly defined. And I know, I mean, you work at Klarna as well, and I think they work really proficiently with a, with a, with a service rule book. And that's sort of thinking that I worked with is that's really helping a lot at Coop as well, right? How do I design those frameworks? So yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah. I can quickly also, uh, reflect on this and. Uh, if you take iPhone as an example, I think, I think, or I believe Steve Jobs, he said that once that it, it, it was not one idea from, from a leader, uh, it, 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 it took 5,000 decisions to create the iPhone. So I guess innovation is not just one, uh, it's rarely just one smart idea from, from the management or leadership team. It's, uh, innovation happens, uh, in, in the cross-functional product teams as close to the customer as uh, you can possibly be. 
I would I would say. Uh, but on the other hand, I also agree to what you said, Christopher. Uh, I I believe that its ability to adapt to changes and the world is changing really fast. And to be able to, or my take on what to be able to to adapt to changes is that you 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 at some point in time you you need scalable and reliable systems. Yeah. So. Early, early on, if you're a, s- a smaller startup, you just want to prove market fit. Then, well, yeah, perhaps you don't have to invest that much in, in quality. That you can take some shortcuts. You can, you can accept some manual routines to keep the lights on. That's uh, acceptable. But when you when you scale and when when you grow as a company, you need to have scalable and robust systems. So, and that's. Uh, I can give a quick example on that from from Smart is we have we have redone our data warehouse two times in four years. So uh, when I started at Smart four and a half year ago, I, I became responsible for the data warehouse. Uh, quickly realized that we had to redo rebuild everything from scratch. Uh, it wasn't good enough at that time. So one year of work just wasted. So did. Uh, did some did some work there. Uh, had a new data warehouse, and it worked for about three years. <clears throat> and then our head of analytics uh, at that um, he came to the conclusion that this is not uh, living up to uh, to the needs of being a data driven company. So we had to redo it again, and it was really 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 hard work from the data team. Now we have Snowflake and Bibetia. To transform the data, we 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 have 100 million events and counting every month. We collect a lot of data. We are not 100% sure what we will do with this in the future, but uh, it's high quality data. And uh, thanks to AI, we're probably going to get lots and lots of value out of it. But it's um, I think yeah, in the beginning you don't need to have that much quality, but in the end, to me, it's it's scalable and robust systems that helps you to innovate yeah uh that may definitely make sense and there are like of course here different perspectives as well so the one that you kind of touch now is on let's say technical or engineering perspective but then there is also the organizational like the company perspective as well and comes back to the stakeholder management and everything where there is like people get used to one way of working and then you need to kind of okay, bridge the gap and now understand that, okay, now we cannot do the same things equally fast because this can have an impact on, on the other side as well. Uh, or, well, let's call it negative impact in some sense. So this is like the part that I would like to hear more if someone has like some uh, inputs on, uh, because from engineering perspective, it is, uh, I would say, well, well, not clear, but kind of makes sense uh having people autonomous and like making decisions and moving uh as much as possible on their own and then move toward platform teams but then there is also uh, a shift that has to happen in everyone else's minds in the organization when we start like having customers and what that actually means when you start having slas like with the uptime and everything uh that we cannot just ship as fast as possible and then fix things later on in uh when if, if they break right uh, so curious if anyone has any like experiences or thoughts on um, maybe more organizational uh, challenges in uh, like balancing quality and the end speed. But uh, yeah, but then uh, it sort of depends on like 
where the organization is, right? Like I mentioned my situation to Coop, but it's a, it's a sort of like the discussions I have to have now in regards to the organization is I have to sort of describe what engineering is. I have to describe for them not only about being agile, but about coming with problems, right? So next level, like what do we need from you? We need problems that we can solve. I mean, we, we I'm working with people that are the best at solving problems. It's what they're educated for, right? So we want to tap into that and, and make sure to we use that to the most of our ability. So in regards to that, it's about very mundane and basic discussions with the organization to have them understand that, that no, we don't come with solutions. We come with problems to Christopher and then he makes sure he solves them. And then of course, as we see these sort of things coming in and to make the change and also make it stick is also about showcasing these. And I've done that numerous times during the past year, like. I've taken cases where we first had a solution. I took it back to them away from the team after they flagged it for me, talked to them directly and said, like, come with us. What, what, what kind of problem are we really solving here? And then again, counting the hours and, and the time spent and the budget spent, we showcased that this is the way we should work forward. So it, that's one specific example, but sort of making that shift have, has, has also gotten more trust in essence, more speed. Because then we don't have to be involved and we don't have to have sync meetings. They come with problems and we solve them and we can ship them out, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just making sure those feedback loops get quicker and quicker and then find out new ones. And also That's helping this yeah, and also helping the stakeholders. Like how do you yeah. how do you when you say that you want a problem, what do you mean yep. by that? Because yep. it's yep. just not leaving it as that and then you you need to work close to them and yeah. Indeed. Andreas, you have any further thoughts there yourself? Yeah, I mean, if I I would um, yeah elaborate a little bit more on on that one, I I would uh, I mean innovation. It's really important to don't forget your customer to 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 delight your customer and to to talk to them. And I think everyone should do that. And if you if you are a CTO, you should probably meet with. Even as a CTO, you should meet with your customers and understand their pains, and then it, it is easier to to innovate, uh, I, I guess. So, yeah, don't forget the customer. You don't seem as sure, I would say. You seem sure, but you seem a bit hesitant, but I would I would agree with you 100%. Yeah, definitely. Okay, very nice, very nice. Ivan, have, have you got any sort of closing thoughts there, then? Uh, well, no, definitely it makes sense um, to really, like, when again goes back to the communication and uh, the responsibility of of our rules and I mean the leadership role in general and making sure that everyone is well aligned. Uh, so appreciate your thoughts definitely and uh, yeah, let's see uh, how things go down the line. <laughs> okay, okay, let's let's move on to the next person, Christopher. We'll, we'll come to you next and. You said you always want to keep these topics a bit tad, tad spread. So you came with a question of, um, I'd like to know what your key points are in attracting talents. Great question. Can you divulge a little bit more for us? Unfortunately, you are on mute as well. Rookie error, Christopher. Oh, all just, uh, <laughs> no, but uh, it's a pretty straightforward question. But I mean, again, Working for a brand that hasn't the, the right stick as, as Klarna or I'm coming from Klarna or Spotify, I mean, it makes it hard to, to really recruit people that have them, even though the tech stack are similar, et cetera, et cetera, the brand is not there, right? And you have a more modern way of looking at things. So I was keen to, to, to understand how you do to really hire talent 
and and get to work with them probably i can start maybe yeah. uh so for me like well it again it becomes very hard with only three things but uh let's uh maybe try with like okay first going with uh, really explaining the vision and what we are trying to do with the organization and engineering as well uh and kind of showcase that it's not only like one person's job but more like we have attracted quite a lot of very senior people to the organization and that we kind of know where we are going so it's not just like uh, walking around trying different things uh second thing is really putting emphasis on what we talked recently like autonomous teams and having like a possibility and freedom to have an impact and then finally I would say we really try to keep the interview process short. Uh, Chris can probably attest to that. Uh, so we really aim to have everything done within a week. Obviously, it depends on the candidate as well. But like within a week, we want to send out an offer. And uh, we really try to make it like we really put a lot of emphasis on interview process being like a two-way street. So it has to really fit well for both candidate and us. So we really try to like drill as much as possible to either achieve win-win or not go uh, with it at all. And for us, that proved to be uh, a good uh, good kind of uh, framework if uh, if we want to build like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I would say uh, it depends where you are because if, if um, like, like the things I agree with, like autonomous team and that you have a good culture, I think it's very important also. But like if you are at the place where where you're not that known, then you need to, to do something to get people to be interested also in, in your company. So then like meetups and stuff like that. Like, uh, I don't think LinkedIn, for example, is the easiest way to find uh, developers. Uh, it is for finding managers <laughs> you can get, I think, then. So you need to be creative, I think, to like, yeah. Uh, where like do you have a specific for example we use elm so then you can have it there's not that many elm meetups so then you find like uh, and write people in a easier way and like invite them to the company and so on uh, but otherwise i think uh, important like right and now also like uh, working like hybrid that that is possible that you're putting effort in um, like growing people and they have possibilities to grow is also important yeah so, and um, like showcasing that and also if you work with getting your uh, current employees happy then they will be your best uh, people and uh, to tell other people there's good workplace and that's also something to work on of course yeah yeah definitely i mean but i've noticed that that is a sort of something that's getting more and more frequent in reverse than mm. how you look at the workplace again and i like to say we focus on results and not where you spend your time and that usually is a big sort of big plus for 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 candidates like oh do you really have it that free and i say yes of course but that then puts demand on me and my organization head of engineering etc to be really good at setting those objectives much to your point Eva. like do we have a vision and do we live by that by setting up the correct we work with okrs with, with the correct okrs and how we trickle that down to the individual contributor in essence so so yeah i i, I agree with you um, but yeah, the, pretty much to your point as well, you sort of have to adapt the concrete to what organization you're in, but we've talked about that so, so much, but yeah, mm. uh, yeah, cool. Thank you. Yeah, I yes, can, um, yeah, ship in, uh, quickly as well. And yeah, that's more smart. We are, or I'm quite lucky that we are a sustainable brand, uh, and, uh, out of, uh, like all employees at Mossmart, almost everyone, to some extent, they want to do good. So 
They uh, so our sustainability focus helps us a lot with recruiting, but it's not. I would say that it's not enough. <laughs> that it it helps people when they come to the interview, uh, but uh, um, so for 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 me, it's uh, what you said, Johanna. You you it, it takes time to recruit, uh, and uh, so. I, I probably myself been participating in 20, in the 20 or recruiting 20 full-time employees at MassMart, maybe 150 to something interviews during the years. Um, I mean, during uh, four years, four and a half year. And out, at least three people, they, uh, they, they didn't get an offer perhaps, but you know, we, we came quite far in the process and then they said no at that time. Came uh, coming back uh, six months later, and um, yeah, they, they they had a good uh, candidate experience. So they they come back and they say, now I'm I'm ready to join. So I've uh, got a, like three examples of, of uh, employees joining where it took maybe one year from first con- contact to uh, hire. And yeah, of course now nowadays we are. I don't have to do that much interviewing uh, because I have a team of uh, leaders that that manage that. But it's um, it just takes time. You have to go to meetups and um, reach out to people on LinkedIn or whatever. Uh, yeah, where people uh, hang out, <laughs> maybe it's on Discord servers or I'm I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it's um, and yeah. also like maybe it's stating maybe state it's stating the obvious, but I think that. Talent attracts talent. So, and of course, you don't need a team of eleven slatans, but uh, one or two slatans. That's really good. And at Modsmart, we we have a few. We have a few slatans, but also we bring in consultants that can raise the bar in in the tech tech team uh, that we can learn from. So, um, yeah, uh, it's um, but uh, but. Yeah, we constantly want to improve and get better, and uh, it's um, yeah, it helps to having a lot of engaged uh, uh, people, employees that uh, that just want to do good. Yeah, I did this just uh, to to on on the contrary to what you said about being involved in interviews. I kind of I kind of forced my way into every interview that we we hired due to the fact that. Again, we're building culture, right? So I want to make sure that, again, we call it the bar racer interview. For you who worked at Klarna, you know what it is. But it's about aligning sort of, again, we talk about sustainability. That's key for Coop. In essence, I need to make sure that is this important to you because it's really important to us. So I, I kind of forced my way into that. And that was also a, sort of, I met a, a Google executive of many, many years ago. And he said one thing, like, you need to be good at recruiting if you want to lead in tech. And on. So I said yes, and then I and then I sort of lived that statement. But yeah, thank you very much for your input. Uh, much of it we do. Some things we can probably improve. Uh, but yeah, again, it's sort of like adapting to the situation. Cool. I want to throw my two pence in there. Obviously, being a recruiter, yeah. Say, say from my side. I'm trying to just summarize what everyone said. Obviously, Ivan spoke about timing. We've uh, Johanna speaking about like right location, showcase the benefits. Andreas talking about the culture. 
I think it all depends who you're hiring and when you're hiring as well. Like, compared to, like, I focus on consultants. Obviously, timing is a massive issue. You want to move quite fast. But as Andrea said, if it's a permanent issue, uh, hire, you want to take your time, make sure they are right for the organization, make sure they are coming in and they know that when they come into the organization, you're investing into them, they're investing into you, and they're going to stay. They're not going to leave three, four, five months down the line because it's just not efficient. Um, but, of course, finding the right talent is always the hardest part and where to find them. LinkedIn, it can be a great place, but at the same time, I always find GitHub, them sort of places, there's great tech communities there. If you're after the technical developers, then that's a great place to start because you obviously can showcase the work. And then word of mouth, of course, get consultants in, great culture. All right, then, okay, get some permies in. Then that culture re- re- replicates and replicates, and then you grow and grow and grow. And then obviously people move, but the culture stays. And that, that, ideally, that's what you need. But that's my two pens anyway. <laughs> Appreciate it. I guess you, uh, how do you find your consultants, uh, Chris? Uh, What's your well, best tips? <laughs> oh, I'm not going to say that straight away. <laughs> um, a good recruiter. That's all I'm going to say. Um, no, with consultants, especially with startups, it can be quite difficult to get people involved with startups. Like you go in, you got Spotify, you got Klarna, big names, brick CV brands, as we call them everywhere. goes, oh, I want to work there. I want to work there. When you're dealing with small organizations, it's a lot difficult. You say, right, okay, you're trying to get the right developer and the right mindset. And at the same time, oh, we want a developer from Spotify. They'd be great in our team. Realistically, they might not be because they came from such a large organization, going into a small startup. can never always be the, the right fit. Now, you can always always find consultants that just specialize in startup scale-ups. They like the manic, like how unpredictable it can be. You can get a lot of consultants that just focus on that, and they're not always interested in the larger organizations. But um, I'm not going to go into too, too much detail because I'll put myself out of the job. But um, yeah, I, th- I think when, when you're dealing with recruiters or you're trying to get something in, involved into the organization is make sure you've got something to sell because then that's how you can sell it to someone else. Because that's, that's all you're trying to do. You're trying to sell your organization, your culture, your team. Will you be the right fit? Yes or no? And that's how you move forward. Cool. Um, but Christopher, I'm sorry, I went off a bit of a tangent. <laughs> but um, what, what were your overall thoughts there? Obviously, Ivan, Jonas, no. Andreas' thoughts. Yeah, uh, like I said uh, before, it's uh, we do many of the things that, that we just mentioned. Uh, and uh, again, uh, it's sort of like for me also to sort of gauge, are we doing the right things? Are we thinking about the right, right way to do this as we approach uh, sort of? And, and, and again, I also think, I mean, key for me is also accept pretty much what you said on the S recruitment is a, it's, it's a long stretch process. And again, back to your point, Christopher, it's expensive to do it wrong. So again, and sort of making sure that you do that correctly. It's key important, especially if you want to be with sustainable sort of engineering teams. So, yeah. Cool. And I think Thank also you. just another tip, uh, or that time we worked a lot with, um, to like have a good recruitment team. So either you use mm. someone outside or inside, but uh, yep. like TI and like if you have engineering manager and of course the developers doing the interviews that you have a, like putting some time in how that process should yep. look and uh, yep. uh, get everybody on board and learnings like along the way that you implement uh, all the time, so yeah. Okay, fantastic. Well, let's leave on to the next person and the last person, Andreas, woo, come to you. So Andreas, you wanted to ask, uh, what is the most fun and rewarding role and um, rewarding as a role as CTO? Great question to end this podcast on. Do you want to explain a little bit more for us why you asked this? 
Yes, exactly. Why am I asking this? Yeah. Personally, I, 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 without going into detail yet, I think it's a lot of fun and re rewarding being a CTO, but it's also crazy hard work. It's, uh, at least for me, working, uh, you know, scaling a team from one full time employee to 28 uh, during uh, four years and four and a half years, and, um, you know, working at the company, also growing a lot, entering new markets and, uh, uh, and it, it's a lot of pressure when the CEO calls you and the site is down and you, when you're finally, when you finally are on skiing vacation, we are running some kind of campaign and the site goes down and like, it's a lot of, I think it's a lot of pressure. So, so at least sometimes I have to remind myself, why, why am I doing this? So I'm just curious to hear what, what do you think is the the most rewarding parts with being a CTO. Yeah, uh, I'll gladly go first on this one. Uh, for me, it's about growing people within tech. Stop. Uh, again, uh, the, the the sort of feedback that I've gotten through the years working in leadership roles, especially within tech, I mean, it's so rewarding. It kind of eats up everything else, even the late night calls. <laughs> That's it for me. I think it is just, it's both like growing people and I like love building teams and putting like effort into that. And also to have uh, the possibility to make possibility for, the, for others, like having a role where you actually can make a good impact or helping others to have the best possibilities, like doing those fights and that you, you may be like, but you have also the ability to change it. Like, I, I think that's one of the things I like most like being in the leadership team and I can't complain if something is bad in our company because I can do something about it and I have the power to do that so I also like not that it's the power I'm looking for it's just like being like having the possibility to do better for my people and for the people in the company that's something that I think is really enjoyable yeah yeah uh, definitely agree with both of you so it's being like in a place like between people, tech and like business or strategy really do have an impact and can like, as Johanna, like you cannot complain like, ah, oh, something's not good because like you are the one that actually has like the biggest kind of impact, right? And like the, the most rewarding uh, is definitely yes, uh, seeing like people grow and then developing people in like enabling them kind of to go further like then they even thought they can go right but when you see that when people actually when it clicks to them that connect that they actually came further than they thought they can this is like something that is uh super rewarding in in a lot of senses um so yeah that would be my kind of answer to it well i'm yeah. glad everyone answered that question quite positively <laughs> <laughs> otherwise i'd be quite concerned for this podcast <laughs> No, and I, I can also ship in and, and say that for me, yeah, yeah, to 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 hire people and put them in a position where they can grow and test uh, new things and, and and evolve. I think, uh, yeah, that that's probably number one. But it's also personally for me, I I want to do I want to do as much much impact as I can, and um, you know, to to be the CTO. Uh, is to have have a role that constantly evolve and, and changing, and uh, you know to, to have the opportunity to continuously learn and to grow my career is is also very rewarding. It's it's a I've been CTO for almost ten years, you mostly in smaller uh, startups, and uh, 
Um, and I'm still, I'm still learning. I have so much to learn. It feels like, and, um, yeah, it's, um, so I, I really enjoyed also the learning part and that the, 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 the need of the CTO constantly changes within the organization as well. Startup CTO is completely different than probably working for Coop, uh, with more like eight engineers. Uh, if you sell that Christopher, it's completely different, uh, skills needed. Okay. Well, that's all the questions answered. That's leave the podcast there. This has been an evolution exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank Andreas, Joanna, and Christopher and Ivan. Thank you so much for providing your insights onto this wonderful topic. If you'd like to get involved, um, please reach out to myself. Thank you very much.